Okay. I think we're ready. What do you guys think? I'm ready. Okay. All right. So this is Surviving on Wine and Cuss Words. I'm Emily. And I'm Charlotte. And we're going to start off with a trigger warning that we will be discussing childhood sexual assault, childhood sexual violence, as well as emotional abuse. So. Unfortunately, but yes. All right. Let's go ahead and get into it. Okay. So we left off with the last episode. Let me just get a little bit more. A little more wine? <laughs> yeah. Okay. You know, because it is another nighttime. Yeah. Another nighttime cheers. episode. Cheers. <laughs> mm. Okay. All right. Just a little bit. So we got into a little bit of the background last time. We yeah. got in a little bit of context where you as beautiful, functioning adults and productive members of society could feel where we kind of were at that time from my point of view. So I think for this episode, what we're going to do is kind of get into um, how it looked growing up for me from my point of view. So I'm going to start with, um, with my dad and my first memory of him. He was there before I could form memories. So he's in some of my earliest memories, um, as a child, you know, normal dad things that normal dads do, push you on the swing or run around with you outside, I guess. Um, and then kind of fast forward to the divorce. And I'm I'm nine years old. Uh, we've got my little brother, Alex, uh, my dad, and my mom. My mom, from my perspective, has just gotten a new job. And everything is crazy because she has this brand new job. And I'm so proud of her and I'm so excited for her. And we're not going to be poor anymore. <laughs> Excited because it was going to be great for the whole no family, family, for yeah. everybody. Because I remember taking you guys into Toys R Us after like my second paycheck saying, pick anything out you want. Right. Pick anything out you want. Where, you know, we got to the point at... at Certain times where we were cutting off the cable and cutting off the phone because... God, there was a summer where we only ate turkey sandwiches. We needed to eat. Yeah. We couldn't pay a phone bill and that at the yeah. same time. And this job came so and... I, I remember the struggle and I remember the struggle so well growing up that I remember thinking that I don't really care what I do when I'm grown up. I just don't want to... I just have this vision of you guys like sitting over the table stressed about these bills. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I was like, I don't care what I do when I'm older, but I don't want to have to worry about the bills. But, you know. It's a good goal. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good goal. And I was like, I just don't want to have to, you know, feel that, like, sense of panic. I remember that, mm-hmm. you know, that question, what do you want to be when you grow up? Not stressed about the bills. Happy. <laughs> yeah. 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 And so we move on, and my dad is telling me, me and your mom we're getting a divorce your mom is sleeping with all these new guys at work moving on she doesn't want yeah, to have anything to do with want, this family she wants to start over she wants a new family she doesn't want you she doesn't want me and she doesn't want your brother mm-hmm. so this is all what's being fed into my head as a, as a little nine-year-old and this is the struggle i'm having because as i mentioned last time I tried not to be hateful and negative. I was always very positive. Hey, you guys get to go to your dad's this right. week. You know, and, and it was always so emotional when you came back. Like like you hated me. And I remember sitting out on the patio talking to my dad, granddaddy, right, saying, I just don't understand. Why do they hate me? Why do they hate me? I, I try to give them everything I can and do everything I can with them and encourage them and support him. And why do they hate me? And he said, as I was crying, because we cry a lot, 
he said they will understand one day. And I was like, I don't want them to understand one day. I want them to understand now. And that was a struggle for me. Right. I didn't understand why. Yeah, so we are getting all this. We're just getting, I guess, all this false information about how you were initiating the divorce, how you wanted to break up the family. And um, and so that just planted the seed in my head that you were just this horrible person, that you were super selfish, you just wanted some kind of boyfriend. And, you know, I didn't know, obviously, the abuse that went on between you and Jason, who is my father, in you guys' marriage. <laughs> so... Move on to when I'm nine years old, and that's when the first instance of sexual abuse occurs. Um, And at this point, we had only been talking about separating. I was on midnight, so I was still living there. Yeah. I came to to find out after everything started coming out. I was still living there, but we were not in a good place, and I told him I wanted to. A divorce, and we were still in counseling trying to see if we could work it out. So, I remember this night so vividly, and I don't want to go into detail because I don't want to glorify the details, but I just want to kind of get across what little nine-year-old Emily experienced in this night. Um, It was a movie night, um, which meant that we made like a big... A pallet on the floor. We just piled up blankets and pillows on the living room floor to watch a movie and then just fall asleep right there. And that's where we slept, right? So, um, you know. A fun thing. Right. And, And I'm getting dressed and putting on pajamas and... I, mom had this robe that I adored. Oh, I love this robe because <laughs> it was like this pink and white striped robe. Pink and, and orange. Pink and orange striped robe. I remember the robe. No, it was super cute. And I put it on and I just have this memory of my dad telling me like, oh, you look so much like your mother. Like you look like your mom right now. I mean, I know it's hard to tell and that that's. I, I couldn't understand another thing I couldn't understand while this was going on is anybody would say to us, oh, y'all look so much alike. And she would say, no, we don't. Oh, I would no, we say don't. that. But, I, I mean, mean. I don't see it because. We kind of do. So I'll, I'll pause. I'll let you continue. And now I see it now when I see little kids and they're with their parents. I'm like. It looks just like their mom. <laughs> and uh, I still don't see it. Sometimes I do. Yeah. But sometimes I don't see it very much. But people used to tell me that all the time. Oh, you look just like your mom. So he, he at nine, let yeah. you wear my robe and made the comment, you look so much like your mother. Right. And which is totally normal. I'm fine with that. I mean, I'm not bad about that. No, it's when you say both those facts side by side, there's nothing sinister that kind of goes up with those. I was just kind of setting it up. But um, later that night, after the movie, when we all fall asleep, there is sexual abuse that occurs, and in my head, I'm just trying to pretend to be asleep. Um. After everything happened, you know, my mom is gone. My mom's at work. Um, he steps outside. He has a cigarette, and that's pretty usual. And so we go out. So we on... didn't smoke in the house. We smoked yeah. outside. Good job. I mean... <laughs> that's crazy. That's another thing to think about is that people, you know, used to smoke inside. Smoke inside, yeah. <laughs> that's crazy, but... You know, I always loved the front porch because you could see all the fireflies and all the summer stuff out there. And you always got to go out there and kind of hang out because the parents were out there anyway. And anyway, so I went out on the porch because I obviously wasn't asleep. And um, so he left after after the incident occurred right. and you were pretending to be asleep. He went out on the front porch. Right. Okay. And so I follow him out to the front porch. At nine. 
Right. I'm just trying to keep all these facts together with everybody right. that's listening. And this isn't, you know, a deliberation. This isn't anything. If I mess up facts, you know, it is what it is. I'm mm-hmm. not on trial right now. I'm Mm-mm. telling my side of the story. That's right. And, you know, I'm just telling it how I remember it. And so I go out and... um I see him sitting out there smoking a cigarette. He doesn't have the porch light on, which I'm like, I already know he's upset, which is so crazy at nine years old to already. And I can't remember for the life of me. You know, I, I always wanted to make my dad happy. So we'll go back from there. You know, I go out on that front porch. I want to make my dad happy. I'll tell another story before my mom got this new job. She worked at a bank. She had a business trip for that bank. Oh, yeah. She went to Florida. I did. I got to go because we opened up new My branches. My was a very angry man. My dad was very angry uh, and very emotionally I'm not sure I know this story. So, um, my mom was out of town. Two weeks. For a business trip. And um, I remember my dad, a lovely alcoholic man, <laughs> wanted a beer. So, I brought him a beer. But apparently I had been super excited and I was jumping around and I had shooken up the beer before I handed it to him. And when I open, when he opened it, it sprayed everywhere. And I said something like, oh, did you shake it before you opened it? Because in my head I was like, oh yeah, shaking carbonated things makes it spray because I'm a child putting together facts of the universe. I can just picture you at this point with that long blonde hair yeah dancing around in a little dress and handing it to him and and so it sprayed everywhere and he was sitting in the kitchen and he said does it look like i fucking shook it and he's spraying it and he's like slinging it all over the kitchen all over the walls it was a spark shout out spark malt liquor (laughs) okay it was a spark oh god oh god (laughs) And, and you know, the, the weird part about that, I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that. The weird part about that is, you know, you don't make much money at a bank. Right. You, you know, they don't get paid very well. And I worked at a bank and I got the opportunity to be an advocate and a teacher for this merger. Right. Which could have done great things for me at that time. And I was super excited to go. But he's at home stewing over the fact that I have to go away for two weeks to teach the oh, new people mad. how yeah, to I use. I don't know why he was mad. I remember that being, even in my head to this day, that sticks out to me like I'm afraid someone's just going to snap at me. I'm very easy. To, I, I'm very eager to please. Oh, we're both I don't people want pleasers. someone to snap at me. Yeah. And I remember that one explicitly. Um, so putting that into context, when I'm nine years old, when we have the movie night, when I go out on the front porch, I am eager to please whatever I've done. He's gotten up angrily and left. And I think it had to do with me turning away from him, acting like I was asleep. And so I think you know, he's upset. He's mad at me. So I need to go out there. And he is like smoking a cigarette. And this is something I found out after the fact. But he had a gun. And he was like, apparently, you know. Thinking about yeah, killing himself. Yeah, he was himself. like, I should just kill myself for what I've done. Like, this is really terrible. And I'm, you know, going out there like, no, dad. Like, nothing wrong happened. Like, you're fine. I'm never going to tell anybody shout out but <laughs> but um and everything's gonna be okay i'm comforting him at this point the nine-year-old is comforting the grown-ass so man i realize something has happened but i don't quite understand it but i know whatever it is like i'm ride or die with this dude you, you know, upset or, him you right. feel like you upset him right and and i've you know, and he was quick to anger. Just all growing up, you think about, I would knock something over, he would spank me. Like, it was very quick. And I, I know I get accused of not being a disciplinarian, but hell, I was, you know, I'm not a spanker. I don't see, you know, I mean, I have other forms of punishment, and this is not 
the, this class. is not the parenting podcast and and so everybody has their own opinions and I just wasn't a huge spanker and I hated it when he did it but of course he didn't want to have and anything it wasn't to like something where if you use spanking appropriately where you're okay this is your calculated punishment he spun he would spank us quick he was angry he was angry while he did it it's, and, and, and it's not recommended that you spank your children while you're angry. That's right. that's physical abuse interaction out of anger. Mm-hmm. You out need to anger. step you back. You should step back. And if you have decided this is an appropriate punishment, then you go back and deliver that punishment. Mm-hmm. But it's not about snapping at a kid and spanking them. Oh, I'm going to spank their butt because that's okay. You're still just hitting them out of anger mm-hmm. really quickly. So... Moving on, you know, I'm nine. My parents start going through this divorce and my dad. Well, wait, you're on the porch. I want to go back to the porch because the only thing that stuck in my head from the trial, because I didn't know facts, most of the facts until I read the the transcripts, you're on the porch and... He said, I should just kill myself. And you said, no, Daddy, no, I love you. And then he said, well, I tell you what, I can call the police and turn myself in, but you need to know they're going to take me to jail Mm -hmm. for what I did. And you said, no, 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 I I won't tell anybody to go away. I won't tell anybody. So he put that on a nine-year-old. Yeah. I mean, it felt like. If you tell somebody, I am going to be taken away and it's going to be your fault that you told somebody. But I'll do it if you want me to. Right. Ooh, man, that's such, such expert levels of manipulation to have nothing be your fault. Yeah. yeah. Everything is somebody else's fault. Okay. And sorry. so we get on and we move on from that night and... I'm like, well, that was weird. And I move on with my life, and I don't really think about it. And then my parents get divorced, and my dad is living in our childhood home by himself. My mom has moved to this apartment. My dad is living in this home. Um, And my cousin moves in with us, my 16-year-old cousin. And... um, we have Thanksgiving at that house. We have a Thanksgiving dinner. It was our first Thanksgiving, I feel like, since y'all were split up. And mm-hmm. uh, the first one that you didn't have us, at least. Um, and that night, after all the Thanksgiving festivities, we went into the shed which. The shed <laughs> was kind of... one of these Mennonite built outbuildings that he he made into his like meeting place for all the like-minded people there was a sofa and a television and a refrigerator and it was kind of cool for a little hangout if you wanted to be away from the kids but it just became this very dark place but anyway so we took us in there and he got vodka out of the fridge. And he was like, have you ever drank alcohol before? And I'm 12 years old. And I'm like, no, I've never drank alcohol before. Let's go for it. Right? Um, and so we drink that night. And the 16-year-old and me and my little brother, you know, all get drunk this night. And, and that's when the wild things happen that we kind of discussed in the last episode. Um, and that's hard. That's really hard to think back at. Why? But I mean, I mean, there's obvious reasons why. But have in you particular, ever met a twelve-year-old? Yes, they're horrible. Yeah. And then you add alcohol to that. Who wants that? <laughs> why? I mean, why? Why give a twelve-year-old alcohol? No. Uh-huh. I mean, you know, you just don't need it. Let alone a nine-year-old. Let alone you know your six-year-old mm-hmm. niece that you have taken in. Because she is going through hard times and she is going right. through tough And that's the crazy well. thing about that. She was taken in to the house because, because her, she was her, going through her a hard mother time. was unwell to take Who care is of her. his sister. Right. And so 
you start drinking and you think, well, he's just trying to teach me. He is just trying to... To teach his... How to handle my liquor. <laughs> nine and 12-year-old how to handle their liquor. Where's the point that they need to stop? Because it's inevitable that someone's going to offer them alcohol and they need to know their limits. Right. I think back to that, and, and I don't mean to make light, but, you know, you either laugh or you cry. And I think to myself, is this weight rated? Like, every time they gain weight, are we going to up their limit? Just a, I mean, it's mind-blowing. Yeah. There were times, and, you know, I'll kind of let this timeline go on and kind of go all over the place. So, you know, just follow mm -hmm. along. Um, mm -hmm. There were times after... My mom moved back into the childhood home. At my, that, my at, dad yeah. moved into his own home. Um, there were times in that home that I had experienced. I had gone so overboard. It's not like, it's not like he was watching me to make sure I consumed a safe amount of alcohol of a, as a twelve-year-old. He wanted me. What is a safe to, amount of alcohol? You know, drink as much as I could. Um, he wanted that. That was an active goal of his. Um, and the oh, and all of this, in the context of you're my dad, you sign my permission slips, you know, you grade my homework, you fucking... Mm. Um, mm -hmm. and, I need a little more wine for this. <laughs> but, and, and, and we don't have to. There was a... Since I was nine, there was abuse that kind of occurred since then. You move on, especially when he got his own home. That's kind of when more abuse occurred. Because at, I couldn't just open the door and walk in. Right. I, right. I had he, to give warning that I was coming. You know, my brother was encouraged to go play off by himself. and Headphones, video game, alcohol. Yeah. That, that make a 10-year-old oblivious. 11-year-old, right. 12-year-old. Right. And so, I just, I think about, yeah, just being a teenager during this time, and it was. I think it's very important to note, we have five charges brought against him because those five charges were very memorable and very credible as a witness on the stand, but... It was not five right. times. There weren't five instances. You, it just continued. It was just all five, the time. There were only five charges brought because there were only like five specific dates that I could remember because of their dates. The first time, the last time, and a few times in between that I remembered for sure this happened on that date. So, because of this, this, this. And if you've ever been in the legal system, you know you've got to have all this stuff to substantiate what you've said. And you can't just say randomly on a Tuesday night, he gave me alcohol and, mm -hmm. and abused me. You, you can't say that because it's your word against his. They had to have evidence. So it wasn't five times. It was over a period of grooming many so, times. Um. I think where things really started to change for me were late middle school and high school. Um, my dad was furious. I mean, angry anytime I had a boyfriend. <laughs> he was so angry. I had my first real boyfriend when I was like, I think 12, about to turn 13. Met him at the end of seventh grade, dated him through eighth grade. He was like... My first real boyfriend and my dad wanted to know every detail of anything we did on every date. He wanted to know what was going on, what I was thinking, what I was feeling. Um, he was jealous. I have he was a, like a jealous 12-year-old. Right. And so I have a vivid memory of being on vacation with my dad while I'm 13 years old. Um, I am dating. I'm ju I've just started dating this boy who is my age by the way um and he texts me something and he calls me like baby and I was like oh my god that's so sweet I love it I run and show my dad because in my head I'm like my dad is someone who loves me and who's going to be excited for this I show my dad that and he's angry 
And he starts to be angry for the rest of the night. And, of course, we're on vacation, so we're drinking. And he's giving he's giving me alcohol, but he ended up spanking me for that text <laughs> that I got. So I'm drinking alcohol and at the same time getting a spanking for this text I got from my boyfriend. If you could see my mind, it just went into weird freak out overload mode. Like that's just, that's just. I mean, imagine how confusing that is for a little girl, for a child, for her dad to say, okay, you're old enough and adult enough to drink alcohol, but you're not old enough and adult enough to get this text from this boy. And I'm actually going to spank you for it because it's so inappropriate. And so I grew up immensely confused about the roles of parents versus the roles of partners versus the roles of friends. I didn't have a lot of friends. I There was so much going on with the custody battle that, that weekends were so sought after. My dad got his every other weekend. Um, well, no, it's... Uh... It was a crazy 50-50 yeah. battle, so your schedule was even weirder than other people who had divorced parents but with every other weekend. he would be mad at me if I was supposed to be with him that weekend, and I would want to go to a friend's house. Yes, he that's my super, time. He would be super mad at me if I wanted to go to like a friend's house or do something with my friends on the weekend, even through high school. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so imagine how alienating that is for a high schooler not to be able to do anything on the weekends, especially a weekend that she's, that I am with my dad this weekend. I can't join this fun thing that all my friends are doing. I put my foot down on that one day. I remember talking to him and he was like, she can do that stuff when it's your time. I said, she does that stuff when it's my time. She's a high schooler. She wants to go out and do these things or she's in middle school. She has a dance. They don't, they don't schedule the dances around your goddamn weekend we deal with this and yes she does go to her friends when she's with me well i want that's my time to visit oh he was mad he's always and keep in mind you know this is the time that i have a cell phone i got my first cell phone when i was nine Mm -hmm. ironically yeah Um, i know i know during that time you know my dad texts me every night good good night like, and I had to text him goodnight back. There was a night that um, he was angry. He was angry at me because I was hanging out at my boyfriend's house. And I was there at midnight. And we were still hanging out with him. And this and is parent. before you can drive. So oh, yeah, we are dropping you off and yeah, picking you up. are dropping me off and picking me up. This is not and a... is very mad about that. So there's another night that I go over there. I go home. I get a text from him. Where are you? I said, well, I'm, I'm laying in my bedroom. He said, well, send me a picture. So I sent him a selfie of myself. And it's dark because I'm in the bed about to go to sleep. And he's like, "It, the lights are dark. Like, it's clear you must be trying to hide something. Like, you must still be at your boyfriend's house. I'm like, no, mom picked me up like a few hours ago. I'm obviously home. Like... I'm not going to, like, I thought it was super weird. And he was doing drive-bys. He drove by my boyfriend at the time's house and was like, all the lights are off. Where are you? Well, I'm home. Well, I'm home. Well, you just sent me that dark picture, so you must be in that that house. No, I bet they went to sleep because I just left and everything and, Mm -mm. you know. Just unreal. Like, that was acceptable. So... It's one of those things where people in your life are starting to pick up that this is not normal. But you got very defensive because I started with this, what what in the hell is going on with you? And the slamming of the doors and the screaming at me. And, and in hindsight and therapy, it's just, you know, I learned a lot. But at that time, I'm like, I've never been the mother of a teenage daughter. 
I, I have never, I've never been in the situation. Is this normal? Is this hormones? And mm-hmm. I would just cry. Like, why can't we get along? Because you were mad at me for asking because something inside of you was saying this isn't normal. And now she's asking and yeah. I don't have the mental capacity to make shit yeah. up. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I, I, I just, you know, I can't, I don't want to imagine Another thing that happened is, you know, I'm in high school and, and my dad's starting to to really want to take control of me, you know, especially with college being floated around where you're going to go to college. Um, you know, one thing I remember getting made fun of in high school was my dad. Being there all the time. He came to Like lunch. leaving work and going. He would leave work at lunchtime and come eat lunch with me. In high school, and I'm trying to be a normal kid who wants to eat lunch. And I was jealous of that. I was like, she must love that he comes to eat every day, and I don't get to because I'm an hour and a half away at work, and I don't get to come, and he gets to come because he's only 15 minutes away. And oh, I wish I could do that, not knowing that it was simply so he could loom over her like the fucking Grim Reaper and. And watch everything she did for that little bit of time. That anyway, I'm of sorry. Course. Yeah, and so you're a high school kid trying to do normal high school things with a, you know, with a dad who comes and eats lunch with you almost every day, and you start to think, where are the fucking adults? That's where that's what really starts running through your head at my age now. Is if I was working in a high school, but I, you know what. It goes back to that manipulation because what he presented to the adults is I am fucking father of the year. I want to be here and volunteer for this school. I want to cut cardboard. I want to do whatever you need me to do. So he presented himself as father of the year. So they didn't see a trigger. They just saw a very involved parent and that's what they wanted. It's a brand new school. You started the school. You were the first class of this STEM school. Brand new school. They wanted all the help they could get. So that still just breaks my heart sometimes thinking about it. That you could about have... if I was a principal, if I was a teacher and I had someone in ninth, tenth, eleventh grade who was getting you know, their dad was coming to eat with them all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't even want to ask. I wouldn't even want to know if any of those people, because I never asked them, but if they had the comment like we talked about in the last episode, you know, it was weird. Then I would be like, oh, fuck, you don't need to be a principal. That you break, don't need to be a teacher. That breaks my heart, too, because I just, no one else's parents did it. I mean, Every once in a while, you know, somebody's parents might come like once a year. To fold copies in the office because volunteer hours were required. Yeah, and they might bring them lunch during that time. But I remember just how isolating it was. Yeah. And what are you going to do? Tell this person that you want to make extremely happy not to come spend like the same lunch period with you well i mean it's hard to do as a adolescent much less a groomed adolescent you're gonna say well this is amazing my mom is keeping me from you and you can come to the school and we can hang out i have messages between my father and i of him texting me during class and him being mad that i didn't respond within enough time But I was literally in in class. class. I was in class and I would have gotten in trouble for like pulling my cell phone out. So it was that constantly. And and there was no one I could tell about that. There was nothing I could do. I look back, you know, and we printed so many of the text messages just just to have them in case they ever got away. And I think to myself, when you're reading through them, it sounds like a 12 year old boy. You know, this mentality of you're mine and and I don't believe you and, and that's bullshit you where were and you I want to know what you're doing well, like wasn't there an instance that you told me about that he made you in the selfie like put a newspaper 
or something with it yeah, because he, he thought it was an old picture. Yes, that was the same night that I was talking about where he took the picture. It's like, that's an old picture that you sent me. I, I want you to I put something. the lights on and I took that picture again mm-hmm. and he said, I still don't believe you. Yeah. And, and I just, that's ridiculous. So here's the newspaper that I just went and found from today. God. It was tough. Our worlds were very different. It was tough for me, but for such different reasons because I just couldn't understand. Yeah. And at the same time, I'm holding all this stuff. I'm holding. I don't realize that other people don't have this pressure from their parents. And I am just holding all this and trying to keep it from imploding. Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Because that's what you feel like. It's going to implode if if you disturb the balance in any way. I know my side of it, you were less worried about imploding. I think probably because I was more kind, more forgiving, even though in your mind, still not the fun one, still not the the one that I need to please, you know, but it... it it was a tough time for everybody all around, and nobody knew why. You know, you've then, got this big yeah. circle, and everybody's experiencing something different, and they don't know why. Right. And so, you know, I'm in high school and college. It was being thrown around, you know. <laughs> Ideas of college. Where are you going to go to college? Like, you know, where do you want to go to school? And I remember... That there is this just having this conversation with my father. And keep in mind, um, during this time, the sexual abuse has kind of escalated and continued to escalate. Um, And if you guys want me to get into more of that, I absolutely will. But I'm choosing to kind of skip over that now because I'm not sure how much it helps to kind of go into the details. And I don't even know details. I mean, I know X. I don't know X, Y, Z, you know? Right. And so, um, because it's not important that I know. Right. And, and you know, there's, there's certain things that I will specifically share as they kind of come up in certain topics. But for now, um, you just need to know that things kind of escalate and as his sexual abuse escalates, his control over me escalates and I'm getting older and I'm realizing more about myself, but I'm also wanting to please him more and having the ability to, and, and, and kind of moving on from there. Um, it's kind of survival. You've right. got to keep him in check so that you can pretend to have a normal adolescence outside you have to keep him in check so he doesn't come freak out on your friends one night when you're hanging out with them right and so I'm basically yeah I'm keeping him at bay and you know the talk of college is coming up and you know he wants me to go to a great college and everything but then as it gets closer it's almost like well you're not actually gonna leave me you're not actually gonna go anywhere because I always wanted to go stay in a dorm. I always wanted to go to college. You know, I had dreamed about college since I was a little kid because I was very good at school. And I'm going to spoiler alert anybody who's hanging on with us now. She did go to a dorm. She did go to college. So just continue did. to hang on with us. Spoiler alert. That I remember that was the first big cognitive dissonance. Well, uh, I want to go to college. You know, I want to go live in a dorm. I don't want to go to, you know, the local college just because. Because you don't want me to leave. You don't want me to leave. Right. I wanted every opportunity to to go wherever I wanted to go. Um, And so that was super hard to experience a parent not root for you. And for their own selfish benefit, want you to kind of fail. Mm-hmm. To kind of not go where you would be qualified to go. Um, and so that's kind of 
It's and 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 from there on, I get to my the end of my junior year of high school, and I'm with a boyfriend, and I'm dealing with this abuse, and I'm I'm spiraling. I'm spiraling really fast. I am spiraling quickly. It is getting out of control, and I just put the brakes to it, and I was like, I gotta go tell my mom. And that that's what I had to do. I literally had no other choice because I was like, my only other choice is to continue down this path of drugs and alcohol and not going to college and making this man that I can't stand happy. That's, I can't picture my life like that. And you don't have to. And I didn't. Because you didn't. Because you, because you let me in. You let somebody in. Right. And then it, it grew from there. There's so many, so many other unfathomable things in there. Right. I mean, there's so many pieces of abuse that come to me. And really the person I feel like who hears it the most is my partner, Robert. Like a lot of times something will come to me and I'll just have to tell him about it. I'm just like, I have like to a tell trigger. You, I'll have to, no, nothing. Just like some <clears throat> memory that'll pop uh, in my head. And I'm like, I just have to tell you this thing. I remember this horrible thing that happened to me in the bathtub, like three years ago, three years ago or four years ago, you know, all after the stuff, something just popped in my head and I was frantic and I just Build like vomit this stuff to Bo, and yeah. I think I blew his mind. Yeah, but it just came. It just came, and there, there it was, and it was there, and it was like you need to know this, right? And he was, I, he was in shock. You know, he didn't sign on for this. What was, <laughs> what was it about? It was about um, an instance where. Jason, ex-husband, your dad, Mm -hmm. wanted me to have sex with someone else while he watched and filmed. Mm. Mm. And it Mm. and it frightened me. Yeah, and you when I when the and it was it was like it was like I didn't even remember it until that night, and I don't even know what the trigger was. But the memory came flooding in like fucking Niagara Falls. And I called him in there and I said, this happened. And I was very, very not comfortable. You just had to tell him. You know, it's, it's, it, and, and then I remember an instance in the grocery store and I have to stand up for this one in the grocery store and I've got like hot dogs and, and, and summertime things in my hand and I'm walking around and it's during the trial and Jason's in jail, but we're still in the midst of it. And I come around the corner at the local buy low and I stop like I am having a stroke because I see someone that looks just like him. I just stop and Bo turned around and said, what's going on? And Everything in my hand just dropped to the floor. Like, what are you doing? Because I thought I saw him. And I never thought he would affect me that way. Right. Because I, he didn't, I didn't know the kind of control he had over me until all of this came out. And it was, yeah. So I think something that I kind of want to touch on that's in this book, um, The Courage to Heal by Elaine Bass, um, is if you think a memory is on its way, you need to talk about it. Okay? You need to get somewhere safe. Don't fight that this memory is coming up. You need to talk to somebody who you love and adore and and feel comfortable talking to so you need to go find somewhere safe to go don't fight the memory coming up don't try to drown it out with drugs alcohol food shopping literally all those things that keep you distracted and keep it off your mind go through it you know trauma 
healing is there's no going over it there's no going under it you know you gotta you gotta go through it it's there it's there so um while you're remembering it while you're telling it to somebody it's just a memory I mean, obviously, both of us are visibly uncomfortable, and we're talking about something that occurred years ago. We are uncomfortable because it's it's, still, it's like it's right here. It's still raw. It's just a memory. I mean, even after the first episode that we recorded a week or so ago, you know, Bo and Robert both made mention that you and I were tense after it's like you know this is not normal everyday sunday afternoon conversation this is something that was fucking hard yeah for everyone involved to go through so it it picked a scab but uh, that's great advice i mean you've got to get it out you've got to talk to to somebody remember it's a memory you've got to comfort yourself understand that um the return of a memory is a stressful experience and it can leave you feeling vulnerable. Take care of yourself. Um, you have to expect yourself to have a reaction, whether that's physical, painful, super draining. I mean, you can have physical pains when you are in oh, yeah. a period of remembering a horrible memory, especially for someone who experienced sexual or physical abuse. That because you already disassociate you. yourself during the time when that comes flooding back and you're not expecting it, the emotional, the physical pain comes with it. And even if you are just someone who enjoys being alone, find that one person that you can trust and talk to. Don't go through this alone because your brain can kind of spiral. Can kind of spiral. (laughs) Okay. You have to go through memories with somebody who is keeping everything in relativity and context. Hey, that was terrible. Hey, that is bad. Hey, that is a hard pill to swallow. Um, But you got through it. Exactly. And we're here now. someone to remind you and ground you and keep you as you're going so that you don't float away. It can be really tempting to retell a story of abuse and to completely lose yourself in it. And we're, but you have to retell that story like you are not there, like you are here, like we are doing it now. now. You know, it's we're hearing things about each other for the first time. I guarantee it. And at some point in here, you're going to hear one of us say, "Oh my God, I didn't know that," because we're still uncovering things that have happened. Absolutely. And memories are still coming back. They do, and you just learn to deal with it absolutely you do you have anything else to add with this probably not with this one you know there's so much i could add there's so much i could add mostly that he was an adolescent motherfucker but but that that will be he was a grown man he was a grown-ass man but that will be evident by the end of this you know we get through all of this in the trial and i thought about you know what I thought about the other day, what memory came back to me was us having the police escort us into his house to pick I shit up. That. I there's one I, I just I don't you know I can't even finish my sentence right now. I'm sorry, that's terrible for a podcast that's because you you can't finish your sentence, but sometimes things it just, just knock the breath out of you. Come back to you and it's like I, that day was so traumatizing for me and it do you remember the day i was going to let you go in the house (laughs) and and i pull in the driveway and i'm scared shitless that somebody's in the house somebody who lives in the house my my dad has been arrested jason is in jail uh, you know, you just want one we're thing going to the house and like, you know, I fucking live there half time. So I have my clothes are there. have my stuff's there. I just want something, some clothes and stuff that were over there. And I told my mom, you know, I need to go over to my dad's house. I don't care that he's in jail. I got shit over there. And so um, I pull in to the driveway. It looks like it's empty. And I tell Emily, you've got the key. Go on in, get what you need and get out. Just get what you need and get out. Because we didn't want anyone to pull up, um, any of his sisters to... And while we're there, because he'd been in jail for a couple weeks, (laughs) the grass had grown. So while we're there, 
There's a little S10 pickup truck that pulls in the driveway behind me and blocks me in. And let me tell you, when I'm in that state of mind, that truck blocked me in and I whipped that door open in my car and I ran back behind me and said, get the fuck out, go, move, leave, back up. And the dude's like, okay, 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 fine, because I don't know who he is. I don't know why he's there, and I don't know why he wanted to block me in that driveway. And I screamed at her, and I got her in the car, and we pull out, and we leave. And then we're driving down the neighborhood, and I realize it's just this guy who's wanting to ask about cutting the grass. Yeah, he just wants to mow grass. But he blocked me in that driveway, and I was in that fight-or-flight mode, and you were inside the house. Mm-hmm. And, and nobody's going to block me in this motherfucking driveway. Get gone. I mean, I think I had the devil voice. I already have a deep voice anyway, but I think the devil voice, move. I mean, I think that came out. It scared this guy enough to get back in his truck and move. <laughs> he said, I'm not getting that lawn business today. Bless his heart. God. But that's when a memory comes. When a memory comes and I wasn't going to be cornered again. I wasn't going to be cornered again. Yeah. So there's so much more to get into. The only thing I would add is that every time reminder, if anyone wants to reach out, if anyone needs to reach out, if anyone just wants someone to talk to or tell their story, surviving on wine and cuss words at gmail.com. And we will read your story, not on the air. I mean, not like here. No. We well, will we read will your story. Read we will get back in touch with you. We will give you whatever help and resources you need, regardless of what stage you're in, because there are so many stages. We will help you. So I want to remind that. Surviving on wine and cuss words at gmail.com. And of course, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please email us at surviving on wine and cuss words at gmail.com. We do read that. I also want to shout out and say thank you for all the wonderful YouTube comments we've gotten under these podcast videos. Um, they've been excellent. I can't wait to get the podcast live on other platforms and we'll keep you. He was working on, on that, that today. So we'll absolutely keep you updated <laughs> on that as we get information. But thank you so much for the people who have found this helpful and, or um, just interesting and love us. Yeah. Thank you. Absolutely. Of course, if you have anything you need to say to us, please leave a comment. Please email us at survivingonwineandcusswords.com and take care of yourself. Take care of those around you. Stay lovely. Stay beautiful. And uh, we love keep you. Keep on surviving. We do love you. And we'll see you next time. In the next episode. Bye. Bye. Well, what do you think? Ah, oh, I think it's yeah. No, I forget that that's up there. I'm like, eh. come on! Oh, you lost your cap again. Don't lose your cap. Oh, I think that's great. I think you've got two good episodes there. Yep. Don't have to do anything for two, two more weeks because we'll put one out every Tuesday. And in a couple weeks, I've taken some time off for my birthday.